0: And candidates in states with razor thin margins. Listen to Build the Change Now wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news?
2: To Democracy-ish, I am Danielle Moody.
3: And I'm with Ali.
2: And Waj, it's been so long since it's been just the two of us uh, in conversation. It is. It's just the two of us um, talking about, you know, the fact that we are, when this episode comes out, we are less than two weeks away from midterm elections. Mm Mm-hmm. And do you know what the mainstream media continues to do?
3: Uh, both sides, white grievance, minimize the threat of fascism, not calling it fascism, and being obsessed about Kanye's anti-Semitism, but not talking about Trump and the GOP's embrace of anti-Semitism.
2: Yes, all of those things. <laughs>
3: <laughs>
2: all and, all and of and those for, things. And for those
3: who th- those listening, we did not plan that. That was just, she she asked me and I just gave off the cuff. Yeah. My answer. Off
2: off the cuff, that is exactly where we are. And today, I mean, I just, you know, the New York Times, right? Most reputable traditional outlet did a full on, once again, an expose entitled Their America is Vanishing. Hmm. Like Trump, they insist they were cheated. And then it goes on to read The white majority is fading. The economy is changing and there's a pervasive sense of loss in districts where Republicans fought the outcome of the 2020 election. I mean, what is your initial reaction when you see titles like their America is vanishing?
3: To quote the late, great Bernie Mac, I'm not here for any foolishness. It's 2022. You know, I don't give a shit anymore. I'm just going to say it plainly. I I don't give a shit. I don't care. I've been hearing this for seven years. Seven years ago, when Trump won, I did this piece for the Huffington Post because I was covering the elections. And we went back to the Huffington Post studios in New York, where I am right now, uh, visiting. And people were crying in the Post studios. Women were crying. And at 1 a.m. Exhausted, I did this plea. I did this plea to Trump voters. You can still see it. Uh, I said, listen. I'm shocked by this election and many of you felt like you were left behind. And here's me, the son of Pakistani immigrants, of brown-skinned Muslim men, reaching out in good faith, right? We're not going to agree on everything. I don't like this mother effer, but we're stuck with him for four years. Let's try to help each other out. And the response to that, Danielle, mm-hmm. was the replacement theory. QAnon. Our parents come from shithole countries. We're invaders, rapists, groomers. The January 6th violent insurrection, intimidating school boards, intimidating doctors, intimidating poll watchers. And so now in 2022 America, I'm sitting here with this uh, link that you just sent me that I read before the podcast. And I'm asking myself, why the F Mm -hmm. am I reading yet another profile story Mm -hmm. about the forgotten, angry whites from the Rust Belt who can't stand the fact that people like you and me exist? I would love to read a story where they go to a diner in, I don't know, New York or an urban city where the majority of people live and ask, oh, I don't know, people of the majority, how does it feel to be hated against by a radicalized minority? I would love that. W- wouldn't you love that?
2: Wow. I mean, when even you just saying that to do a piece, just one, right? Just one. They've, they've gotten seven years Seven years worth of studies, seven years worth of empathy, seven years worth of handholding since Donald Trump came down that escalator. Seven years worth of, you know, on the man on the street reporting, you know, tell me what's ailing you. I would love just one with that headline of how does it feel as a person of color who is the majority, who will be the majority in this country, but actually is the majority globally? Mm. To be hated against by a radicalized minority that is using and has always used historical violence, domestic terrorism, in order to have their needs met. How does or, or, that make you feel? Or how
3: about this? How about this? Let's go one step further. Send these reporters to the diners in the Rust Belt, where the real Americans live, the, the, the Main Street Americans, the ones from the heartland, the ones who are electable. Mm-hmm. And ask them, what have you done to reach out across the aisle yep. and win over the aggrieved majority that came out during a pandemic to vote for Biden? What have you done to understand their anxiety and their pain? What have you done to understand black people who joined BLM and marched so they wouldn't be shot and killed by the police? What have you done to to, to understand the rage of women who not only are being left behind, their rights are being left behind in the twentieth century, right? What have you done? And we still haven't even gotten, Danielle, that piece in the last seven years. Like, the the fact that I'm even saying it, you're saying it's like sounds so radical. And it's because, as we've mentioned before, this country always bends the knee to white supremacy. And the only reason we're tolerating this shit where, as we're speaking right now, there are reports of the Republican precinct strategy that we mentioned during the summer. They openly told you they're going to do it. They're going county by county and literally intimidating the precincts and the poll watchers. And now we're seeing videos and photos of people with guns just standing there, yep. right? Can you imagine it was black and brown and Muslim folks doing this? What
2: no, would because we would be, um, what would happen is that a headline would read, hoodlum gangsters <laughs> taking over polls, scaring white children <laughs> and threatening white communities they must all be arrested and or shot dead right because we know and I, and it's so funny because every time that you put out a tweet that says what if a muslim and then you're like forget it
3: <laughs> that was last week i just said dot dot <laughs> dot,
2: dot <I> forget <laughs> dot 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 forget it like i'm tired of saying the same refrain over and over again because it's the same thing that we say we said okay well what if we decided to get a bunch of our friends angry at the fact that black and brown people continue to be gunned down in this country, angry at the fact that the Muslim community has been turned into um, a, a caricature of itself in terms of terrorism and everyone's a part of ISIS? What if we grabbed our friends and decided to storm the Capitol building and take a, a take a, a a dump in the Statuary Hall? What do you mm. think would have happened to us? I'm pretty sure that it wouldn't have been called. Um, a regular political discourse, right? I'm pretty pretty sure that you would still be able to scrape off the blood from the steps of the Capitol mm. where our bodies would have been laid bare. So I, I, I think that it shouldn't be a radical thought that white America who and I say white America because that's who is in the newsrooms. That is who is in control of the new, the cable newsrooms. That's in who, who's in control of traditional media. To say, can we get one story that is about this my this radicalized minority trying to actually do anything other than than cry crocodile tears about the ways in which they've been left behind? Because I'll tell you, Waj in this new york times article right they once again go on to talk about um how they are undereducated mm. how they are you know what what did they say here um they they oh here it is their median income basically they're all broke right and how somehow they say Um, Here, here we go. What does it say here? Lawmakers who blah, 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 blah. Republican held districts with the lowest percentage of college graduates. In one case, Southeast Kentucky district of Hall Rogers, currently the longest serving house member, about 14%, 14% of the residents had four year degrees. Mm. Less than half the average in the districts of Republicans who accepted the election results, because here they're trying to make the correlation between the lack of education, the median income that these people have is well below, right? The national average, right? And that they don't have degrees. Well, we know this, right? Lyndon B. Johnson said that if you can, if you can tell the poorest white man that he is better than the best Negro, then you can pick his pockets for free. That's right. From the New Yorker staff writer, Vincent Cunningham, a keenly observed novel of a young black man searching for his place in the world amidst a moment of historic change. Great Expectations is about David's 18 months working for the Senator's presidential campaign. Along the way, David meets a myriad of people who raise a set of questions, questions of history, art, race, religion, and fatherhood that force David to look at his own life anew and come to terms with his identity as a young black man and father in America. Inspired by the author's experiences working on Obama's 2008 presidential campaign, Cunningham uses a political campaign as his narrative backbone. Great Expectations will be one of the talked-about novels of the year, Colin McCann. Great Expectations is available wherever books are sold.
0: Hey, I'm Alok, the host of Build the Change, a brand new podcast from MacBlue about the people at the center of progress. Join us on a journey across the country as we uncover stories about the everyday folks working together to build something bigger than themselves. Real change. You'll hear from students in Appalachia advocating for LGBTQ-friendly books in their communities, healthcare workers providing telehealth abortions across the country, immigrant farm workers fighting for their safety in the blazing sun, and candidates in states with razor-thin margins. Listen to Build the Change now wherever you get your podcasts.
3: And 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 this is one of those situations where we have heard this time and time again. And I want to take the DeLorean back to 2016. And the experts that are paid much more money than us, Danielle, for being wrong all the time, mm-hmm. <laughs> said it was primarily, wait for it, this is going to be mm-hmm. a callback, ladies and gentlemen, economic mm-hmm. anxiety. Ah,
2: yes, that the motivated deep cut of Trump deep cuts.
3: Orders. And the rest of us said, that's a part of it, but we guarantee you, It is cultural racial anxiety. And every single sober study done in the past seven years has shown there was primarily, not exclusively, primarily the cultural racial anxiety of the white voter who felt like they were going to be replaced by people of color that moved them to Trump, an open xenophobe, racist, anti-Semitic, misogynist, vulgarian who played right into it. And the more horrible he was, the more deplorable he was, the more they loved him. And it took years for our white colleagues, years. I'm talking about till 2021, ladies and yep. gentlemen, for them to finally drop the economic anxiety bullshit argument that the rest of us said, the data proves that it isn't. It. But listen, the reason why they keep doing this is because if you keep pushing the economic anxiety argument, and if you keep pushing the forgotten American, you never have to talk about white supremacy and racism. Come on. You never have to confront it you have to never have to acknowledge it you never have to talk about your role in perpetuating it and i'll give you another example why they do it cuz these whites look like their family members and their family members are politically incorrect but they love uncle chuck and samantha who makes the potato salad with raisins and sure they have terrible ideas but they're not evil they look like the ukrainian refugees with the blue eyes from the civilized countries and so They're not evil. They're just misinformed. They're not drug addicts. We don't need a war on crime, even though they're taking fentanyl and freaking meth like Skittles. No, this is a public health crisis. And it just goes to show you how white supremacy is so seeped into our culture, law enforcement, media, uh, political analysis. They refuse to call a spade a spade. We don't call them terrorists. We don't call them extremists. We don't call them radical. We don't call them fascists. We do everything and anything we can to coddle them and understand their white rage. And the rest of us are saying, it's not that hard. They're terrified of darkies. They're terrified of people of color. They're terrified of women. They're racist. They're fed disinformation. They're ignorant. And they love it. They love it. I'm going to go a step further. I've said this before. I'm going to say it again. Because Joe Walsh said this, and he's a white Republican uh, uh, who's a never-Trumper. He said it today on Twitter. And America loves listening to white conservatives who finally say the stuff that people of color have been saying. Um, I believe he said that we've lost about 25 to 33% of this country, which is what we've been saying for years. I'm like, we ain't going to win these people over in our lifetime, Danielle. You have to mobilize. If we can, alhamdulillah, welcome, bismillah, welcome. Have a halal sandwich. But we ain't going to win them over. We've lost about 25 to 33. We got to mobilize the majority. And yet you still see the majority whose Mm -hmm. institutions are run by white folks Bend the knee to the radicalized minority, and the freaking people of color are Paul Revere warning but instead of being celebrated as a hero, we get freaking shot as we're ringing the bell.
2: You know it is so agonizing, I think, at times, which is why you know on my other show, I say you need to be as full of rage as you are with arrest and restoration practice because otherwise you're going to lose your mind right mm. because. We see everything. Uh, we we don't have to read the tea leaves. We just open up history, right? Like open up a tab and Google it, right? It's not really that difficult to see that it has always been about race. And it isn't people of color who always make it about race. It is white people. And, you know, in, in the debate this week um, between Ron DeSantis in Florida and Charlie Crist, Ron DeSantis, first of all, Bravo, Charlie, Chris, because I didn't know you had it in you. No, I honestly I I I, I didn't know. Um, So bravo for making Ron DeSantis, who makes himself look like a fool each and every day. Bravo to up in the ante. But what Ron DeSantis said that I don't want people to miss is that why should white people feel guilty? Mm. History. In its honesty, in the way that it should be taught, he doesn't want it taught. Because it's wrong to teach that America that people are living and working on stolen land. That's mm. not the truth, he said. Chris Charlie Chris looked at him like, what are you even talking about? Like we don't even like in like you could see on on Chris's face, like we don't even refer to Columbus Day as Columbus Day anymore. And it is now Indigenous People Day. Because it is collectively known the man didn't discover America. And it's collectively known that he was a drunk, racist, rapist. Right. So, you know, it, it is amazing
3: and, and, to and, me. And Danielle, if I may say so, it's just it's just like proof of white supremacy and white privilege. We have a day celebrating a dumbass who, in addition to being a racist and a drunkard, literally landed in the wrong place and spent the rest of his life arrogantly being ignorant and defensive of the fact that he landed in the wrong place. And we're like, you know, it's like it's a beautiful microcosm of white supremacy. And the fact that we literally have given him praise statues. for discovering something that literally was already discovered before. It's like you can't get more white privilege than that. To you, to you, recognize someone for discovering something that was already discovered.
2: And then but here's the thing to continually in this country throughout I mean, our, our founding erect statues, streets <laughs> roads, schools named after liars, cheaters, scammers, you know, uh, traders, traitors, traitors, enslavers, and then have a run and then be shocked that you have a Ron DeSantis. Be shocked that you have a Marjorie Taylor Greene. Be shocked that now you have an entire party that has created an identity around this lie. Mm. Right. And the lie isn't just the lie of the 2020 election. It is the lie around white exceptionalism. And so then when we turn around and see headlines like the New York Times, their America is vanishing. What it should say is that their America is a lie Mm. and they're waking up to that truth. And now it's like, oh shit, they told me I didn't need a college education, that my whiteness was going to save me. And now all these black and brown people have multiple degrees and I can't compete. So, instead of me actually getting my shit together and deciding that, oh yes, I too need to compete, what I'm going to do is pull them all back down. What I'm going to do right. is get into cahoots with higher ed and turn that into a money making scheme that, that will then, make, that will that make then my
3: kids dumber that will make my that kids will dumber. make my
2: kids dumber, but then make them indebted that's right right, so that they can become indentured servants to capitalism to pay off the debt that We were told we didn't have to pay because our whiteness was our currency, right? And now they're seeing on a global scale, oh, wait a minute, but I don't know nothing. I can't compete. I no longer can pay my mortgage, but it's that brown person over there whose fault it is. No, it's your fault for believing that you could stand still Mm. and that by standing still that virtually everyone else around you was, you were the sun and we were just gonna continue to move around you. That's the world. They have bought into, and everywhere they look, they have been sold the same lie.
3: And you know why I think you, you know how you know white privilege exists is because, like you mentioned, traitors to this country, racists, and enslavers who lost the war get statues and schools named after them before Harriet Tubman and people of color. Yep. Losers who sit there and and are lazy. and and I'm sorry, aren't working as hard as the immigrant from Jamaica or Pakistan uh, are are literally being coddled, getting the sympathetic treatment, having their rage and conspiracy theories and xenophobia and hatred rationalized. And yet the rest of us who have to love a country that doesn't love us back still work, work twice as hard. You know, in these same communities that they went to in, in this New York Times profile, repeatedly, those community members, Danielle, know that immigrants come and do the jobs that no one else does. And they Mm -hmm. know that without the immigrants, their economy hurts. And still they vote for the racist congressman who's anti-immigrant, which means as Jonathan Metzl, who's been a guest on your other show before and wrote Dying of Whiteness, that they Mm -hmm. will die for whiteness. As Lyndon B. Johnson said, and I gave this analogy. And on my own, Jonathan said he used a similar analogy in his book. I'm like, aha, great minds think alike. I said, if you've given a choice to whiteness in this country, between renting a room or sharing a room in the house with a person of color or burning down the house, they will burn down the village, ladies and gentlemen. They yep. will burn it all down. And that's what we're seeing. The rest of us, we don't want to be the owners of the house. Let us be co-owners. Let us be equal co-owners of the home. And white folks are like, no, no, no. We own this house. We let you live here. You better be grateful to us that we let you live here in peace. And by the way, your lease can be revoked at any time when we demand it. How dare you think that you're a co-owner? Oh, shit. They are becoming co-owners. F it. Gonna burn down the village. Because if I can't be on top, damn it. Darkie no can't one... be on top. And my son, he... is, my son and daughter are never going to spend the need to Danielle and uh, Waj's kids. Nope. We're going to burn it all down. And but here's them.
2: the thing. But here's the thing. We've always known this about this set, this 25 to now 33% of white people. And why do I say we've always known this? Because, watch, they drained their own swimming pools. Mm. They drained their own swimming pools in communities. They would rather have gone through hot summers, right, with no reprieve than allow black people to be in the swimming pool. They would rather torch their churches, their schools, than allow for integration to happen. So the reason why you still have mainstream white media dumbstruck at this moment is because they don't, No history. Because they have refused. Because the history that they have wanted is of the lie of the pilgrims and the Indians and the cutouts they still do in elementary schools in these white suburban and white rural places that tell the lie of Thanksgiving. Right? That don't talk about the genocide, that don't talk about the trail of tears, that don't talk about the residential schools, that don't talk about the rape and the brutalization of indigenous people, that don't talk about the reservations and how on them suicides are at an all time high. Drug abuse and alcoholism Mm. is at an all time high because we have literally raped and pillaged these people of their land. Right. And so. The reason why we're in this place is because of Ron DeSantis's distorted, detached, dysfunctional fantasy that they want to continue to live in. And the reality is, it's that there is more of us living in reality than there are those that are clinging to the fantasy of white exceptionalism. The question is, how do we do we orient and activate the majority?
0: That's right. and candidates in states with razor-thin margins. Listen to Build the Change now wherever you get your podcasts.
3: You know, and, and you mentioned this this New York Times article, and there was uh, earlier this week. This clip went viral on Monday, where MSNBC was Elise Jordan of MSNBC goes to again. One of these towns with all white Trump voters and it was a five minute interview and everyone was horrified. I was not that surprised where she's literally just calmly talking about facts and they're spitting out unhinged, deranged conspiracy theories. These are grown ass men and women. And that's when I refer to, I think it was a Joe Walsh. He says, we've lost these people. We've lost 25 to 33%. They're gone. They live on earth three, ladies and gentlemen. Not only do they live on earth three.
2: Not even earth two.
3: Yeah, they they think that the rest of us including white people who are against them are the enemy. We are the groomers, we are the invaders. And let's not forget in 2016, one of the right-wing conservatives called that election the Flight 93 election, that they had to charge the cockpit or die. All right? So it's one of those situations where literally you have this aggrieved, radicalized, weaponized white minority trying its best to hold onto power by any means necessary. It's about 25 to 33 percent. It isn't all white folks. It isn't the majority. But the rest of us have to bow down to them. So this is what I say. I say enough. Call the shit out. Say enough is enough. We gave you a chance for seven years. You took away our abortion rights. You denied climate change. You literally attacked the Capitol. You're attacking our elections. You're attacking the truth. We got the majority. We got about 65 percent. The 65 percent, have to organize and mobilize. When the 65% the majority organizes and mobilizes, we win. I'll give you one example, Daniel. School boards, right? These guys have done a deliberate national strategy across the nation to attack school boards, right? They, they intimidate, and what happens? The school board members tap out. They tap out, these extremists come in. However, when the numbers show up and we organize, we win. A radicalized, weaponized minority that gets up every day with a zealous extremist ideology will carve through the majority like butter, like butter. But they got us divide and conquering. They got us Look, I'll give you an example of where we got to wake up. This Kanye thing I got to talk about real quick from one example. Oh, God. They have us divide and <laughs> conquering over the Kanye thing. What people don't realize is like, you know, the, uh, the, the problems that our communities have uh, with certain Jewish communities, right? And you see the Republicans who don't give a shit about Jews, they're more anti-Semitic than anybody, using people of color like Herschel Walker and Kanye and others, right, as their tokens to divide and conquer within our communities through anti-Semitism, homophobia, feminism. And our communities, they take the bait sometimes. They're like, oh, look, a gay. Oh, a transgender. Oh, yes, the Jewish power. And meanwhile, our communities don't realize that the white supremacist leader, if you will, the puppet master who's using these people of color is gonna come after all of us. Yeah. community has gotta unite, right? That's why we gotta be like, call out Kanye's anti-Semitism, call a spade a spade that that's a total lie, that's hateful, coming after all our communities. You gotta unite whatever differences we have right now, especially for 2022 and 2024, talk about those differences, but we have to unite for democracy. And because mainstream media won't call fascism what it is, we have to use the right words, we have to use the right language, we have to call it out. And people of color, folks, like always, are going to be the prophets and the Paul Revere's. We're going to get shot. We're going to get killed. We're going to get being called hysterical. But history will prove us right eventually.
2: Uh, I mean, and and I I don't know who will be around to teach that history. Um, <laughs> I don't I don't know. I don't know if those history books are still going to be coming out of Texas uh, in the way that they refer to slavery as, you know, an unpaid labor or indentured servitude um the, the you know I, I want to touch on a, a couple of things that you said, and particularly picking up on on Kanye, which you cannot turn to any type of news, whether it be entertainment, fashion, politics or or finance, and not be brought into this whirlwind that has happened that Kanye has done because one he's an egotistical narcissist um and two because he's dangerous, right? And the reality here to me is the way in which the reason why communities, marginalized communities are at each other's throats is because of white supremacy. That's right. Is because we hold up certain shades and certain countries. Mm -hmm. And by we, I mean white supremacists and those countries, usually westernized countries, hold up certain groups as better than others. That's right. And then those groups get to get to have the attributions and the benefits of being in proximity to whiteness. And then by virtue, you create this colorized hierarchy. And, you know, where Kanye West is and has always been has been a puppet of white supremacy. Kanye West, from when he wanted to get his deals with these corporations, only wanted white people in power to like him,
1: Mm.
2: wanted them to accept him, wanted them to open the doors for him. Right. And when when he was told by now that famed conversation with uh, host Sway on Sirius XM, who said, why don't you just start your own thing? Why don't you just, why are you looking for handouts for, from these white folks? Like, why can't you, you have a big enough brand and a big enough following. And he goes, you don't know the answers, Sway. You don't know the answers. Well, guess what? Sway had the answers, right? To create a for us, by us model. But the reason why Kanye is so in bed now with uh, with Trump and Candace Owens and like and those folks is because they are giving him the attention, that's right, right? That the rest of us have refu- have decided, like, yeah, your music is good, but like, your rep is like this, yeah, your character is like this, and you're you're actually a clown. And where black people are right now is I've heard many folks say, and I'm not a representative, and I'm not saying all, but the way that you put crabs in a barrel is to say, well, why are these corporations dropping Kanye now that he's made anti-Semitic remarks? But when he said that slavery was a choice, Mm. nobody was calling for boycotts of him then, Mm. right? When he was was talking about anti-Blackness, nobody was calling for things then. And so I think that the reality here and what we have to understand is that white supremacy is absolutely the tool that is used over and over again in order, right, in order to own certain groups, in order to pin them against each other so that this now shrunken minority can continue to hold power, right? Because we're busy at each other's throats, working from a place of scarcity, Mm -hmm. clamoring over the crumbs that they leave behind. And they've had us believe that, oh, we're both the wealthiest nation in the world, but clearly the poorest, because we can't possibly accommodate all people. Right. But what they're saying is that we don't want to accommodate people that look like you and me.
3: Right. It's it's about accountability. And what you said, you t- explained it really well. And the name is model minority. It's it's the people of color who have chased whiteness and have Run away from blackness, and specifically Asians and Latinos and South Asians who should have known better. Excuse me, my parents' generation that came here post 1965. They came here and, like, huh, who's winning? Who's on top? Who's living in the good homes? Who does everyone love? The whites. Who does this country hate? The blacks, the poor Latinos. What am I going to chase? Whiteness or blackness? And they Mm -hmm. chased whiteness and the Mm -hmm. anti-blackness strain is being used right now to divide us and anti-semitism is also being used Mm -hmm. to divide us and and a point that has to be made and and black folks aren't wrong about this you know people of color say this the double standards oh when it comes to racism pass when it comes to misogyny pass but with kanye in particular what i see is interesting is everyone's talking about kanye's anti-semitism right Well, wait until I tell you that the former president of the United States of America, President Trump, the head of the RNC, said just as hateful stuff and no one cared. And how Marjorie Taylor Greene literally went to a white supremacist conference and doubled down just a few months ago and everyone's forgotten. And Doug Mastriano, who's a Christian nationalist running for Pennsylvania governor, literally is on the podcast with Andrew Gorba, who's this friggin' far right anti-Semitic. A hater on Gab and no one said a word. And the fact that Elise Stefanik, the number three Republican, promoted the white supremacist anti-Semitic replacement theory that has radicalized terrorists that has committed that have committed crimes against Jews, black folks, in, black folks in Buffalo, Latinos in El Paso, and Muslims in Christchurch. And everyone gives these Republican white conservatives a pass because they're white and they're conservative and they're Republican. But we focus on Kanye, which we should. But again, I'm saying is, yo, For three days, I've heard about Kanye. Have you all forgotten about Trump's uh, anti-Semitic post? And so it's one of those situations where I don't think, you know, it's not one of those things you you don't condemn Kanye, you condemn Kanye. But I just want people of color out there to realize this is part and parcel of the divide and conquer strategy of white supremacy. And we have to see through it. You call it out. You say anti-Semitism is wrong. Homophobia is wrong. Anti-woman hate is wrong. Islamophobia is wrong. Anti uh, you know, uh, anti-immigrant, anti-POC hate is wrong. You cannot divide us. Yes, we have differences, but we know who Thanos is. We know our common enemy. It's white supremacy. And we're coming after you.
2: 150 percent. Thank you for listening to (laughs) Democracy-ish. I am Danielle Moody.
3: And I am Wajahat Ali, and unlike Thor, I will not aim for the chest. I'll aim for the neck.
2: (laughs) We will be back next week, friends, if in fact white supremacy hasn't consumed the entire nation and us with it.